Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Dining Hall Digest. For those just tuning in, this podcast is an attempt to recreate those unique dining hall conversations that you have with friends from everything about the hottest new Netflix series to the movements that challenge us and push us to be better. It's strange now to think that in some spaces, dining halls may become obsolete with new challenges posed by COVID-19. But despite the shrinkage of these sacred spaces, one thing still remains, and that is the power of young people to ask and think about thought-provoking questions and challenges, and the ability of these young people to imagine and work for a new, more free, and equitable world. Our podcast focuses each episode on the efforts and insights of a different young person who is making this world a more just, equitable, and loving place. If you have folks in mind that fit this description, please let us know. Young people are not just the future of leadership, but rather are the present creators of movements, ideas, and communities that will change the world. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Nick. And this is the Dining Hall Digest. So we are recording on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, uh, right in the midst of holiday season and <laughs> right after Notre Dame finally finished its marathon of a semester. How are you feeling, Elizabeth? Yeah, we did. I am feeling great. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of pauses in that, but overall, I'm feeling great. Well, we got a lot of questions from our Instagram followings, (laughs) and so why don't we just dive right in? So this one is from Sean Wu. Elizabeth, you want to ask the first question? Sure. So we decided to do kind of a grab bag episode today and, and take a moment from more heavier topics and just see what our friends wanted to hear it. So thank you to everyone who sent. Um, this first one is, Nick, if you could have anywhere between zero and infinite grandmas, how many would you have? <laughs> As a lighthearted one. To As a off. lighthearted one. So like in reality, I I have three. <laughs> um, my Both my mother's mom and her stepmom. And so three is a pretty good number. I'll, I'll say yeah. because if there's some family trouble, then, you know, you usually have around two. That's like the expected number of grandmas, <laughs> yeah. three or four. I think more than that. And it becomes like too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, that's interesting. I have I only have one grandma and mm-hmm. I love her very much. But I don't know. I, I always thought there was something so special about seeing a grandma as like a mentor figure, mm-hmm. someone who's going to be there and look out for you and cheer you on in all your ridiculousness, no mm-hmm. matter what. And if that's what it means to be a grandma, mm-hmm. then I think infinite amount of grandmas. Infinite. Honestly. Yeah. Mm. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Nick is like, mm, maybe not, um, <laughs> but okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I also appreciate the mentorship and warmth. That is a, that is a good thing. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So our next, we have two questions about kind of holiday shopping questions, um, and I'll I'll ask them together. So uh, Elizabeth, how do you think about how to be a more sustainable or ethical capitalist this holiday season? Um, And then the second one is just kind of more of a comment about rebranding Black Friday from being materialistic to being about spreading kindness. So I guess just kind of asking Mm -hmm. your kind of broader ideas about how to do holiday shopping this year? Yeah. Wow. Um, First of all, I love our friends who sent in these questions that they think we have something good to offer on this topic. Y'all rock. For me, I think, well, many of the people who I assume are tuning into this are also like us in that they're in school or just recently out of school. So we don't necessarily even have a lot of economic capital to be (laughs) 
spending (laughs) unless you're in some crazy job. So I like to be really intentional with the gifts I give. And I like to do that by buying them from places where I know that gift will, the intentionality of that gift will also be felt. So for example, like I'm not going to buy anything from Amazon or from Nordstrom this Mm -hmm. year, but I bought some books from The Strand in New York City because I know they're struggling. And today's Small Business Saturday, so I'm going to go to The Elder Bread and Purple Porch and a couple of other local vendors later today to pick up some things for family and friends because I so enjoy all the the gifts of, of their businesses. And I also know that their businesses will feel the weight of that gift a lot more. So my recommendation would be Find some local places, shop small, really appreciate it, and put in like the extra minute or two to really think what would mom, dad, brother, friend, roommate really like this year? Absolutely. What do you think? Um, I really love the idea to, to shop small. I think that's a, an evergreen uh, recommendation. I want to plug Better World Books as an alternative if you're looking wow. for books. Um, again, try to avoid Amazon. But Better World Books is South Bend based. And uh, Elizabeth, do you know more about it? I don't know that much. I just know that it was started by two students, two Notre Dame students who wanted to do something to change the world. <laughs> yeah. So Better World Books I, is another like kind of online vendor with used books. And uh, it's great. I would really highly recommend that. The other thing is that because of like COVID times, uh, small businesses are very much suffering, but also like local restaurants. And so perhaps consider getting like a gift certificate if for like a restaurant that you really love at home and giving it to your parents or something for for after or or for takeout or something. Um, That will help them kind of get through because there's usually a lot um, more activity around the holiday season. I just don't see that happening Mm -hmm. this year necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I, I was told by um my girlfriend to make a note that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism thank you katie thank amen and a thank you katie all right (laughs) the next one the hottest new netflix series that we sometimes talk about (laughs) dash and lily (laughs) the obsession of my and elizabeth's text (laughs) messages the last couple of weeks as a brief introduction for those who aren't in the know dash and lily is a netflix series about a guy named dash a girl named Lily living in New York during Christmas and they pass around this journal and they fall in love. And that description is basically the kind of the sum total. Like you can kind of expect what yeah. this show is from that description. But Elizabeth, why did you connect with this show so much? Um, I think, so Nick is underestimating how much I connected with it. <laughs> I have watched it three times through. I have made a playlist on it. I have purchased the youth teen fiction book that it is based on from the strand. Um, first off, I'm a sucker for rom-coms, which we know because mm-hmm. the modern love obsession. Mm-hmm. But what I enjoyed was it takes me back to specific moments in my life. The whole thing is filmed in New York City and it starts off at the Strand, which is one of my favorite places in the world. And I know that sounds simple, but it's a, a big bookstore. And when I was younger, my dad, he worked in New York City, still does. He would stop by the Strand at the dollar cart outside and would pick up books that he thought I would enjoy or learn from or grow from and would bring them home. So I fell in love with it 
there. And then I would go by myself and I would bring people who are really important in my life to it so that they could also learn to love it. So seeing a whole series that's literally based around one of my favorite places in the world (laughs) around the concept of love with like Joni Mitchell in the background. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, it's can't get better than that. (laughs) But (laughs) that's what I had to say on that. But Nick, we were talking because you didn't grow up in New York City, no. going to the Strand and Union Square and, and all of that. So why did you connect with it so much? Well, I I will say that I did connect to it mostly because I just, I, I'm i a sucker for Christmas romantic comedies. I have never been to New York City, let alone during Christmas time. And so I think that, and the show is unabashedly a love letter to New York City, specifically during Christmas time. And I think <laughs> I missed part of that. I grew up in California, have not seen a white Christmas. and that's just something that's kind of foreign to me. That being said, the one thing that I can point out that I really liked about the show was uh, Lily is is part Japanese and she comes from a Japanese family that has kept intact some of these traditions. And there's a cultural specificity to that Japanese-ness that I also come, I'm also part Japanese and I come from a Japanese family that hasn't kept up these traditions, but I'm familiar with some of them. There's a cultural specificity to it that I really, really appreciated. Uh, they play Sukiyaki, which is this old Japanese folk song from the 60s that was, you know, probably the one that traveled the most to English speaking countries. Uh, there's a scene where they make mochi. I really did appreciate that. And I'd recommend, you know, anybody who hasn't watched it already to watch it. Oh, I love, oh, Nick, I love that a lot. And I think we were also talking about on a serious note, it's nice to see a portrayal of New York as doing mm-hmm. well, especially in like the past couple months, it's been really hard for the whole New York community. So to remind ourselves of, hey, even just a year ago, we were with people mm-hmm. in community and enjoying all these little things in life. I think it gives us hope of why we should keep wearing masks and washing our hands and and pushing for a more brighter future. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Gosh, okay, well, we could talk about Dash and Lily for forever. <laughs> we won't, but please, literally anybody, anybody send me messages at any time <laughs> and I'll uh, discuss it with you. So Nick, on a more serious note, how do we think we can successfully celebrate holidays virtually? This is... This is the big question. So Elizabeth, both you and I celebrated Thanksgiving away from our families. Uh, for me, this is mm-hmm. not the first time that I've done this, but it was the first time that I've been doing Thanksgiving by myself, independent of like another family that I was visiting. And so it was definitely mm-hmm. different. I don't know how you did it, and I would love to hear, yeah. but I FaceTimed my family a few times. They're three hours behind in California. And so like I was preparing dinner and they were you know just kind of waking up. <laughs> um, and and so did Katie, who who I spent Thanksgiving with. Yeah, mm. I, I the question, the word successfully celebrate holidays virtually, I think is what is the sticking point to me, mm. especially Thanksgiving and probably Christmas as well. Uh, I just haven't thought about it as much. But Thanksgiving is a holiday that means a lot to me as like a family gathering thing. And like, obviously, we can't do that. Uh, right now and so I don't even know how to do it successfully I think that perhaps we need to reframe it as like this is just going to be different this year and recognize that it's just it's because you love your family that it's different this year that's what I've been trying to kind of puzzle out I don't know if you've thought about that at all Elizabeth no I like I like the reframing because I I think we've realized over these past couple months Nothing is done well. There's also no marker of success Mm -hmm. in this time. We don't really have anything to go by. And 
if COVID has given us anything, it's a forced intentionality and a forced way to slow down and put things in perspective. So taking the holidays to focus on what they're all about in the first place, actually, I think is a gift that could come out of this. At least for me, the way I spent Thanksgiving was with my brother and his friend and one of our other good mutual friends here in South Bend. And we didn't FaceTime family during it, but we connected before to share in a Thanksgiving tradition that I'll talk about in our our next question that'll tie in. But you make it quote unquote successful by as exactly what Nick said, recognizing this isn't the same. It's not going to be a replacement. It's going to be something different. But I would still love to share love with you in whatever way that might look like, whether it's let's set aside time to FaceTime. Let's make the same meal together. Let's watch the same movie Mm -hmm. and, and talk about it. Let's send handwritten letters. Let's make a donation to a cause we care about. I think there's a lot of ways we can be creative about sharing love that don't require us to be in person. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, And we do have a shout out. Elizabeth, you want to read the shout out? Oh, yeah. Something that I think of when I think of holidays is Christmas and snow and making snowmen. But uh, lovely Lauren Berry told us that snow woman should be built this winter instead of snowmen. So something important that we should all be thinking of this year. No woman. <laughs> well, our last topic for this section is the song Alice's Restaurant. And I, I'm not certain, but this might be the tradition you were referring to, Elizabeth. Please tell me. <laughs> I listened to the first eight minutes. It's a 20-minute song, guys. If you haven't listened to it, it's 20 minutes long. I tried to listen to it all before taping this, and I ran out of time. <laughs> Tell me what is Alice's Restaurant, why is it important, and what made the church's Thanksgiving dinner one that just couldn't be beat? Oh, yeah, gladly. Oh, Nick, thank you. (laughs) So I forget, you know how you forget something is a tradition or is odd until you put it in comparison with other people? Well, the listening to Alice's Restaurant every Thanksgiving was one of those things for me. And I didn't realize that until I came here to another name. Nobody knew what it was except for one of my friends. And it was just, it was great. Every Thanksgiving, our family goes on like a 15 to 20 mile bike ride in the morning. And we finish, we get Dunkin' Donuts and we're in the car by noon. Because at noon, 90.7 WFUV puts on Alice's Restaurant, which is a folk song from Arlo Guthrie, Woody Guthrie's son that was made in the 1960s. And I'll say it, I think song is too kind. Description. It's more. My friend Nick described it as a musical newscast. And it's I would just agree him yeah. talking talk for like 20 minutes. When you listen to it, it's really an anti war socialist anthem all about how Arlo Guthrie evaded the Vietnam War draft because when he was a teenager, he was arrested for littering after a Thanksgiving feast. And because that's on his record, he's not allowed to enlist in the war. And he talks about how absolutely ridiculous it is that that is the thing that would preclude him from going overseas and killing and maiming other people, quote unquote, is what he says. And he's just kind of pointing out the absolute hypocrisy in the war. But that's a topic for another time. But I think it's just explains a lot of who I am, that that was the song that my parents ensured we listened to together every Thanksgiving on the day of giving thanks. We were listening to this strong socialist anti-war <laughs> folk musical lyrical newscast so to our dear friend gates who asked what made the church's thanksgiving dinner one that just couldn't be beat i would like to think it was the fact that he was surrounded by lovely friends and like-minded people and he just couldn't turn down the opportunity to go 
So that's my answer. To well, that's a lovely <laughs> note to leave off on. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back uh, with some questions about COVID school semesters and differences between undergrad and postgrad life. Welcome back, friends. We hope you had the opportunity to pause in that break, listen to all 20 minutes of Alice's Restaurant, and now you feel ready <laughs> to engage in the discourse. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Nick is rolling his eyes. Coming back from the break, though, Nick, I would like to start it off by asking for you to reflect on your first semester of COVID school at Yale. What did it look like? Or you're almost done. How are you feeling? Yeah, so I'm almost done. I get done, I think, on the 16th is is the end of my semester. Um, honestly, it kind of sucks. And I don't think pretending otherwise is very helpful. Uh, mine is completely virtual. Uh, I have stepped foot into buildings on campus, but they were not necessary. They were just to collect library books and see the political science department. Yeah, it's very isolating. I'll put it that way. Uh, one weird thing that I've noticed about Zoom school is it's really weird not to know how tall other people you have class with are. Yeah. Like, um, I've met a few of members of my cohort in person, which has been really lovely. And I've been able to get drinks and lunch with them. It is always shocking to me their height. I just kind of assume that everybody is around my height and it turns out people are both taller and shorter than me. And anyways, just very strange. Another strange thing about Zoom school is that you get used to people's backgrounds and the rooms that they Zoom from because yeah. they're always you know, pretty consistently at their desk and you always consistently see what's behind them. And so when they change, it's like, whoa, like, I don't even know who you are anymore. What's going on? Um, it's like if somebody, like, started suddenly wearing, like, a fedora to class. Like, that's the only thing that I can compare it to. It's like somebody drastically changes their wardrobe. Anyways, how about you, Elizabeth? <laughs> Reflections on a semester of COVID school. I love that, Nick. It was so interesting to be here, said in all caps with the trademark at the end of And that word is ruined for me going forward. How I'm feeling is I am grateful that I had the opportunity to come to school. I'm grateful that for some of my classes, I could be in person after talking to you a lot and hearing that you missed that opportunity. I'm really lucky for that. However, <laughs> I am disappointed with the school in how we are going to market this as a really successful semester when I believe over 1,500 undergraduates contracted COVID. And that's absurd. Those are 1,500 people that got sick that didn't have to get sick, mm -hmm. that have families or who are worried or then went on to expose someone else. We put the South Bend community in jeopardy. We continue to have football games. All extracurricular things were going on basically as normal. People just had masks or some people didn't. And I think it would be really immature and irresponsible of us for the administration to write off this period in Notre Dame's history as a triumphant success. You can't conquer a virus and we shouldn't try to tell people that we did. So that's, that's how I'm feeling about being here. Yeah. Not even to mention the severe depression felt by a lot of students on campus. Oh my gosh, that was holy cow, because there was this feeling that nothing is okay, but you have to act like everything is okay because the school isn't equipped to handle you not being okay. 
and just push through. And I am, all I can say is I'm grateful that I'm a graduate student during this because my professors feel a lot more like colleagues and mentors than they do just a higher being. And they were so willing to walk with us in grace and in patience, love. But my brother, who's an undergrad, I mean, he didn't have a single class that was canceled, no time off. He had all of his exams. It's people are so hurting at this school and we just pushed it aside and made, made it feel like that wasn't a reality. So that I am very mad about. I'm very excited for this to be over. I am a little bit concerned about the just like mental health infrastructure at these universities that are just going to fall apart because a lot of people will have developed symptoms that may last for a while of, of depression because of isolation. Anyways, we covered that in in the episode with Kenzie, and it's still true. So I, you know, if you're interested, listen to that one. Speaking of isolation, what's our next question, Elizabeth? Yeah, our next question for you, Nick, is what do I do with myself and my time? Somebody said that they're staying inside more because of the cold weather, the dark hours, COVID. So we're back on what feels like quarantine part two. What are we supposed to do? Uh, Gosh, I wish I could give you an answer uh i've basically ramped up what i was already doing which is like i katie and i have been watching a lot of classic films recently because uh we got canopy which is a streaming service through libraries and there's a lot of classic films on there if you are associated with the university or you have a public library card in a major city you too can watch movies on canopy that starts with a K. Yeah, a lot of documentaries and classic films, not a lot of super recent things that's more Netflix's speed. But honestly, I don't know. Zoom fatigue is real. And I think that it is okay to decline social interactions on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. um, and at the same time, I would really recommend just like randomly calling people because if you are also staying inside more because of the cold weather and dark hours, odds are that other people are as well (laughs) random calls have been a huge source of joy for me in this time that the sun sets at 4 25 p.m that's it's just (laughs) there's no other way to put it it's just uh how about you elizabeth uh what are you doing with your your time all of that I love reading and now that I'm done with school I get to do that so since school's ended I'm on my ninth book I think right (laughs) now and that's it's really good for me because it's it's escapism in its best form especially fiction it's I can be here in South Bend by myself but also in like the town of Gilead or whatever book that I'm reading at the time so I like that and I'm a big person that gets joy from exercise and being outdoors and doing stuff so going to my extra class, exercise class once or twice a day, walking outside for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. That's good for morale. It's not for everybody, but I would highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hiking more recently as well. Yeah. Mr. Outdoorsy. I'm so excited for you. Elizabeth, related to this, when do you feel most fully alive and why? And I'm asking you this question instead of answering it myself, because I do not know what that means. I don't know what it means to be fully alive. So why don't you give us a hint? When Nick and I both looked at this question, we both said, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that feels like. And I, I don't want anybody to be afraid that we said that. I think, I think that means we just have so much life to look forward to. But it's, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record here. But for me, it's being with people who I love. I feel so alive. Not, not being in like big crowds of, of folks, but 
being able to spend intentional time with my close friends or close family and just feeling that love, it, it's just, it's tangible. And it gives me a lot of joy to move forward. So that's, that's my answer. What about for you? I actually am going to retweet that. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> I have, I think I have realized as much as I am an introvert, I think I have really identified during this time of like a lot of isolation is that I really missed close friends and I really miss family. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of friends, what's our next question? So Elizabeth? our next question is we asked our friends on social media, what are some of the biggest personal changes between undergrad and postgrad life? And Nick, I was wondering if you could read out what some of our friends said or pull out what some of the themes were. Yeah, so one of the themes is about friends. A lot of the the people who respond to this question are in grad school or med school or law school, and they're saying that it's really hard to make friends in grad school, or it's or it's so different, and it's really hard to be away from friends, to be away from home. One person said that she can't hug people as openly, and then put in parentheses, <laughs> probably a good change. We know who you are. We um, know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, one person even said, I feel disposable. I'm not going to pretend that I also haven't felt this way. Um, I think it is really hard. Uh, but you know, another thing that we see from people is that they feel like they have a whole lot more free time after undergrad. And I feel that a little bit too, even with the amount of reading that I've complained about on this podcast before, uh, there's a lot more freedom after undergrad especially you and i elizabeth both lived on campus our lives were kind of dominated not just by classes but also mm -hmm. by student government and all the extracurriculars that we were both doing and now like it's it's classes and it's work and then yes yeah it's our time which is really nice <laughs> i appreciated also one of our friends says that no one understands their niche catholic humor anymore and I, again i'm spoiled because i i'm still here at notre dame but even in my program i think sometimes it doesn't always resonate so i deeply feel that and i kind of i almost fear a, a lifestyle in which no one will get those jokes anymore. <laughs> maybe it's for the better i don't know well thank you everybody for those responses i don't necessarily want to add anything because I feel like what I feel has been expressed already by all of your comments. So thank you so much for responding to that. Before we end, we want to, uh, two more things. So the first thing is we want to start a new segment called, do we love to see it? Uh, this is based on basically my and Elizabeth's text messages to each other, where we basically say we love to see it or we hate <laughs> to see it. So we have prepared three items that we're going to ask each other and we will respond with, we love to see it or we hate to see it. And then, probably explain a little bit why so elizabeth you want to sure say your um, first one? nick putting up the christmas tree november 1st <laughs> oh, oh we hate to see it i'm um, so sorry absolutely fantastic to work on but due to creative differences i will now be departing from the show <laughs> i my roommate sam jackson who was on this podcast a while ago is very much into christmas decorating and would start the day after halloween and it and and also, Blast Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, as was foretold in the prophecy. And I was just like, no, uh, just wait until Thanksgiving is, is, is my, that's, that's me. That's me. And I'm willing to take heat for it. Okay, Elizabeth, <laughs> do we love to see it? Pope Francis's COVID-19 op-ed in the New York Times. I don't think we'd love to see anything more 
than that. So yes, we do. <laughs> Can you tell us like what it it's is just briefly? A vindication on the way that we have just turned inwards to ourselves. It's very reminiscent of Fratelli Tutti, which was the encyclical that came out. And Pope Francis is basically saying, you know, get ourselves together. We need to care about more than just ourselves. We need to put on masks and look at systems of racism and violence around us and act like a global community and care for each other more. Let's go. It's great. I love it so much. And I love it how at the end it's like Pope Francis is the head of the Catholic Church. Uh, okay, thanks, New York Times. Didn't know that, that was cool. So Nick, hate to see it, love to see it. The fact that Kristen Stewart ended up with Mackenzie Davis instead of Aubrey Plaza in The Happiest Season. Oh my God. So The Happiest Season is a Christmas romantic comedy on Hulu. I thought it was just okay. It, it's about these two lesbian women and through a set of circumstances, they have to pretend to to be straight for um, this woman's family. And Aubrey Plaza is also there playing, <laughs> also playing a gay woman um thank you i hated thank to see you. it i hated to see it mackenzie davis is a great actress she was in the san junipero episode of black mirror she's she's really great but oh my god the chemistry between kristen stewart and aubrey plaza i do not remember their characters names but the chemistry was palpable um one of my favorite parts of that movie <laughs> was their their back and forth okay elizabeth love to see it hate to see it the new shopping tab on instagram i despise it and nick it took me an hour to find out how to share a post or see my likes because we were making social media stuff for this podcast episode i hate it i'm not going to instagram to shop i want to see my friends and their dogs and their kids and their, their friends like <laughs> no hate it hate it hate it hate it <laughs> the last one for me nick hate to see it or love to see it the recording from his memoir of barack obama saying a serial <laughs> bisexual. That line in particular. <laughs> I love to see it. Like the man, the man really wrote a theory of bisexual and then said it on an audio Michelle book. Michelle like, read it too and said, That's, "This one's okay. We'll keep it in there." I I don't presume to know what <laughs> Michelle has done. Oh, that that whole page that was circulating on Instagram, not Instagram, All Twitter, probably Instagram as well. <laughs> Wow. That's all I have to say. If you haven't been in tune with this yet, text one of us. We have many references to it from all forms of social media. Was it the long-legged socialist yeah. was another one? And then what was it? The, there was something else that was just really cringeworthy. Oof. A rough moment. I don't think I'm going to write about my college years. They didn't if I happen. Ever write a they book. didn't happen. I don't think they happened. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Last one. Elizabeth... Love to see it. Hate to see it. Notre Dame giving no breaks next semester. We hate to see it. Woo, 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 woo. Are they also giving you just random days in the middle of the week two off? Random days, but I think one of them is already Good Friday, which is the day of mourning and fasting in the Catholic Church. So everyone's going to be hangry throughout the day anyway. No one's going to be resting. People are going to be like praying. I just... Yeah, Yale is giving us random days off throughout. Like, I think we get one Monday, one Tuesday, etc. But they're spread throughout the semester. We do not get Good Friday nice. or Easter Monday off. Good. ETW. So that's fun for, for us at Yale. Go Yale. Anyways, our final question from Sean Wu, I really like this, is what are you most thankful for in the other person? So me and elizabeth so elizabeth i don't <laughs> want to put you on the spot 
and make you compliment me, but would you like to answer this first? This is the sweetest question we've ever gotten. There is so many things that I could say about Nick, but I'm going to stick with two for right now. The first is his intentional listening. like The way that Nick listens with his whole heart and you just know that he genuinely wants to hear what you have to say, even if it's about Dash and Lily at 3 a.m. And I don't appreciate that. And the second is Nick's ability to remember even the smallest things that I mentioned to him. And if he knew that I had a goofy assignment due or something that was stressing me out, he'll make sure to follow up and check in that I'm okay, that I'm taking care of myself, that I did a good job on it or my Wi-Fi didn't cut out. And I'm just so grateful. I have truly found the most wonderful friend. So those are just some of the things I'm very grateful for in Nick. Yeah. That's really kind. Wow. <laughs> Dash and Lily at 3 a.m. is always always loved always me. welcome. <laughs> for me, uh, I am most thankful for Elizabeth. You just kind of checking in. I know that you do this with a lot of people, but you really do an incredible job of checking in on people at, again, like asking about the assignments, asking about family members, just, you're just a very good friend in that way. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Uh, That to me is one of the most important tasks of a friend (laughs) is just, you know, continually checking in, making sure people are okay, especially during this time. uh, You've just been a really good friend. So thanks, Nick. Oh, that. On that very, very <laughs> schmoopy mo- note, we this is the end of the episode. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DHDCast. We'll be coming out with new episodes at some point because we're on a break. I don't know. We, we're kind of on a break. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see you all soon. Uh, remember to wash your hands, wear a mask, and have a... And listen to Alice's Restaurant when you have 20 minutes free. <laughs> Bye, friends. Thanks again.